Welcome to another edition of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Coletti, and I'm the host for today's episode, which is being recorded on location at the 2023 Clio Cloud Conference in Nashville, Tennessee, otherwise known as the capital of country music, otherwise known as Nash Vegas, Smashville, the Athens of the South. And this is my favorite because I am Catholic, the Protestant Vatican. So I have a wonderful guest with us today. I've got Mr. Jack Newton, the founder and CEO of Clio. Welcome. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Glad to be here, Lawrence. Yeah, it's, you know, I look forward to this interview every year. You know, they do this once a year, you do the big giant keynote, and I know you've got just wall-to-wall, super busy day of activities, and, and everybody's like steering you in different directions. It's pretty wild. Yeah. It's, it's a wild couple of days. Do you ever just get disoriented and just like walk off into like some like random direction, like not following like anybody? You know what? At the end of CleoCon, I'm, I'm guided by the hand from interview to interview to event that I'm hosting to closing keynote and so on. So I'm pretty taken care of during CleoCon, but I'm pretty sure on the Wednesday after CleoCon, I, I probably just stare into space for six six hours. But joking aside, you know, I'm just filled with energy over the course of these two days, interacting with customers and thought leaders and potential customers and just all the people in this in this ecosystem are hugely exciting to me. And just, it invigorates me for basically the rest of the year. Fills up my tank until the next ClioCon rolls around and does it all over again. Well, it's an amazing event, and uh, you know, uh, you guys didn't miss a beat coming out of COVID, and you know, now we're, uh, you're, I guess this is the second year out of COVID. Second post-COVID year, yeah. Yeah, amazing, and a uh, beautiful venue. This is a gigantic hotel, by the way. I get lost every time I come here. I don't know where <laughs> it, I'm going. It's a big hotel, uh, and uh, you know, as the conference grows, our our venues will grow with us. So we've, uh, we've been really excited to host it at the the Gaylord Opryland here. You know, we, we, we follow what we call a bit of a TikTok cycle with our conferences and ho- tend to host them two years in a row at the same city. And, and the first year is that tick cycle where we're learning a new venue and, and discovering both the opportunities and challenges the venue presents and the talk year, which is this year for us in Nashville, we've kind of got it all dialed in. We know exactly what to anticipate. We know where the hiccups are. We know how to address them. And this year is uh, amazing so far. We're, we're admittedly three hours or so into the event, but super excited by the response we've seen so far. Well, let me ask you this. So uh, we, uh, San Diego, we only got a tick year, no talk. And then as uh, TikTok- Thanks for, COVID. Yeah, I know, thanks COVID, unbelievable. So America's finest city, no. But uh, anyway, uh, and then this one, TikTok, we've got Nashville, Tennessee. Yep. So next year's tick is where? Austin, Texas. Perfect. So we're, we're excited to Go to another great music city. Great food city. Uh, great food city as well. Definitely, you know, if there's any city in the U.S. that can give Nashville a run, run for its money with music and great food and just a, a buzzing atmosphere, it's Austin. So very excited to bring CleoCon there. I know. And comparatively, you know, barbecue, like I think those are fighting words. I mean, I think that's like Chicago versus New York pizza. But, <laughs> but anyway, I digress. So you, you all have had amazing growth. Uh, the company's been growing like crazy. And made some comments about how many countries you're uh, in now. Yeah. It just seems to span across the globe. And so it reminded me of, this is like pre-World War II, the sun never set on the British Empire. So <laughs> have we reached that point yet where the sun never sets on Clio? Uh, I've never thought about it exactly that way, but the sun never sets for Clio. We're, we're in over 100 countries around the world. We've got operations now in 
Canada, the U.S., U.K., Ireland, and new this year uh, is Australia, where we just launched at the beginning of the year. Just a few weeks ago, we received our trust accounting designation from the Law Society of New South Wales. So it's, it's really exciting to see just what a global company and what a global customer base Clio has with, with again, this 100 com- countries uh, that span the world adopting Clio as their practice management system. So I see all over the place on, on the pillars and the spires in this uh, gigantic convention hall amplify your impact. And yeah. So I know that plays into the mission statement for this year. So explain that to us. You're talking about uh, technology being used as a lever, but uh, what was the inspiration of that and what's the mission statement for this year? Yeah, the mission statement, the theme of ClioCon this year is amplify your impact. And the idea behind amplify your impact is really, I think what we believe really foundationally at Clio is that at the end of the day, what ClioCon is all about and what Clio as a platform is all about is helping lawyers amplify the impact they're having. I think if we look at the big picture and even on the grandest of scales, what kind of impact are we hoping that Clio has in the world? It's can we amplify the impact of the legal industry so that the million or so lawyers that are practicing in the United States can help address the 250 million legal problems I talked about in the opening keynote that Americans have annually. And there's currently a mismatch by about 55x between the number of issues that are being solved today and what needs to be solved for there to be true universal access to justice. And I think technology has got to be a fundamental and foundational part of how lawyers achieve that impact. And bringing it back to this, this theme at the conference, this concept of amplifying your impact is really about how can lawyers individually embrace new features, new mindsets, new capabilities to leave ClioCon with an opportunity to have some multiplicative impact on, on the world. And we want them to walk away from ClioCon feeling like, I've got a new set of superpowers that I can put to work at my law practice the day I get back from ClioCon and have a bigger reach and bigger amp- impact with not only my existing clients, but a new set of clients I'll be able to reach because I'm thinking and operating innovatively. Yeah, that was uh, my biggest takeaway. And I've you know, been aware of this uh, for years, but I, I love uh, in your presentation how you put it down to how many cases, how many matters. It, is an astounding amount of, of undealt with legal issues because it just you can't do it in a way that scales uh, without an incredible use of technology. You just can't reach it. Like time costs money, and and uh, you have to keep you have to keep your practice doors open. So there goes this uh, unaddressed huge demand. And so just to kind of give it some scale, like how much is that in terms of like you estimate dollars worth? It's just too expensive to deal with if you're not using a lot of technology. Yeah. I mean, I really chalk it up as uh, an opportunity in the form of what I talk about as the latent legal market. And the latent legal market is this market that is this 77% of legal issues that don't go solved by lawyers. This is a stat from the World Justice Project that you've heard me talk about frequently. And I really use it as a bit of a North Star for how I think about the opportunity in legal. Put differently, only 23% of legal issues encountered by people are being solved by lawyers today. But even at that, that's already, just in the US alone, a $600 billion plus annual industry. 
So look at more than three quarters of the legal demand not being addressed. We could triple the size of this market or more by thinking about how we deliver legal services beyond that 23%. And again, I think that's all about embracing new technologies. And as I discussed in my keynote, all about embracing new revolutionary technologies like AI to dramatically expand our efficiency and productivity. If we do that well, we can reduce the cost of delivering legal services. We can then make the cost of consuming legal services lower. And if we do that well, we'll expand the market and expand the size of the legal economy while also making all the participants in that legal economy from lawyers to legal, other adjacent legal professionals to paralegals, for example, more profitable, happier, and having the impact they want to have have on the world. So I think that's the big vision. That's what really excites me about the, the potential opportunity for impacting lawyers and amplifying their impact. I'm going to touch that again when we talk about artificial intelligence. Um, but I definitely want to bring up first uh, the legal trends reports. One of my favorite, actually my favorite study in law today, just about the industry. And so we're going to cover this uh, in depth coming up with Joshua Lennon here a little bit later in the day. But this is edition eight of the Legal Trends Report, and I thought probably the most detailed one. Yes. Um, but what I really like about it is just you all made it very easy to read. It's not an intimidating document. Granted, it's 100, I think 15 some odd pages, but there's the summary, there's a little bit of explanation, but none of it is overwhelming. So for people that have not heard of that, can you just give the brief flyby? Like I said, we'll cover it later with Joshua, and obviously we got a couple other things to cover now, but give us the brief flyby on that report and where the information comes from, and, and what it is you're trying to do with this report? Sure. So look, even though we are the proud authors of the Legal Trends Report, even if I step back from that, I would say the Legal Trends Report is a piece of research that every legal professional should be familiar with. And you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not reading this report. Whether or not you're a Clio customer, whether or not you're a small to medium-sized law firm, everybody has something to gain by reading this report and understanding the insights that are delivered in this report. The reason the report is so powerful is it's based on cold, hard data. A lot of data in legal traditionally has been published based on quantitative and qualitative surveys of legal professionals. Surveys are great, but they have a well-known weak linkage to reality in terms of what lawyers think are the case and what is actually the case when it comes to some key statistics. If we look at something like utilization rate, for example, most lawyers would think their utilization rate is in the 70 or 80% range. When you look at the actual data, for many lawyers, it's in the 20 or 30% range. And lawyers aren't necessarily consciously lying about this, but there's a, a well-known bias called favorability bias, where we'll, somebody asks you how many times a week you run or when you last, how often you go out for, for fast food per week, you'll tend to answer in a way- I've been guilty of that one. <laughs> they'll, you'll tend to answer in a way that you hope the person asking you that question will perceive you favorably. We're also not great with data. And when we estimate things, we often get those estimates wrong. So the legal trends report to your question around how it's generated is based on us looking at the anonymized and aggregated data of hundreds of thousands of Clio users and looking at what those trends look like across our customer base, which constitutes the largest base of legal practice management users in the world. So this is the best 
and most real data on the planet around how lawyers actually work. Now, the reason we do this report is that we want to help the profession get better. We want to create benchmarks for the profession that help them understand how do I compare to my peers. And with the inaugural legal trends report that we published back in 2016 all the way to today, we've been publishing what many people consider to be groundbreaking and in, in some cases watershed moments for the industry. I think that's right. I mean, I remember when you guys dropped that uh, that report and you know, everyone's like, is it true that we really only get like basically 1.5 effective billable hours in an eight hour day? And I just remember looking around the room and everybody was shocked and I was surprised, but then you kind of saw this universal nod. It's like, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's actually I remember like that it's moment. Accurate. I remember that moment on stage presenting this data and almost this, and when we talked about that utilization rate data, and the, you know, the 1.5 hours at the end of the funnel after you go through the about 80% realization rate and about 80% collection rate, you're left with one and a half hours at the end of the day you're collecting revenue on. And this almost hushed silence. Like you could hear people draw their breath when they saw that stat, but I totally agree. You saw them also internalize it and think to what they're actually producing. And by the way, this data actually ties to other findings. Like if you look at the US census data, on average hourly, or sorry, average annual salaries for lawyers. It ties in really nicely, but people did find it shocking. So ever since we published that first, almost a, a seminal report in 2016 with the first Legal Trends Report, all the way to today where we published the eighth Legal Trends Report, we've been building on that core set of insights around the lawyer funnel and productivity, and we've layered in new things every year. Everything from, for example, deep diving on client expectations in 2019 to this year where we're taking a bit more of a longitudinal view of how has pro lawyer productivity actually increased over the course of this survey and study we've been doing of lawyer behavior and found, you know, when we zoomed out, a pretty tremendous increase in productivity in legal. That That's a really fascinating finding that we can, we can talk about more maybe a bit later, but I guess to bring it all home to your original question, legal trends report should be mandatory reading for any legal professional. It's free. Go to Clio.com, click on legal trends report, Google search for Clio legal trends report. You'll find it, it's free of charge and it is full of insights that any lawyer will benefit from. And by the way, download the whole collection. Every year, we've got a new set of insights, a different perspective on some of the, the consumer survey work we do. and. Every year there's, there's, I think, some golden nuggets that lawyers can take away and put to work in their practice. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and give it a shout out because uh, I think it's incredibly valuable information, especially for solos and you don't have a ton of budget. But I think if you read these reports and it's an easy read, uh, just spend a weekend doing it uh, before you decide to start your firm, like any law grad out there that's thinking about going solo, this will get you in front of a process and, and prevent you from making a lot of very costly mistakes and how to kind of design your practice from day one. That was my big takeaway from it. So Jack, I want to fast forward over to artificial intelligence. So kind of going to connect the World Justice Project to artificial intelligence. And I've had a lot of conversations about you know, ChatGPT and you know, different uses for artificial intelligence, not just in the legal profession, but, but other uh, fields out there as well. And it's so I think the best way to talk about it is talk about like case study, how it's going to be used. But you got up there today and we're saying that like, there's a lot of people out there that are afraid it's going to take jobs, but we need to look at it a different way. This is something that's going to create jobs because it's going to open up yep. currently inaccessible customer base or client base. 
and it's going to revolutionize the field so that you'll be able to service those customers and a lot of untapped reservoir out there of revenue. And so let's get into that and then yeah. we'll uh, get into uh, one of the ventures you're taking on in a related, uh, in a related area. Sure. So look, I, I think one of the fundamental parts of my thesis around how AI is going to impact legal is built around observing technology transformation in the past and how it's impacted the world and the economy and society writ large. And I'm a big fan of the saying, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. And what we've seen over and over again as the past is this gnashing of teeth that some new technological innovation is going to displace humans. And we, we see it as far back and probably even further back than the first industrial revolution and the mechanical loom and the, the Luddites that destroyed those mechanical looms worried that they were going to take away from their livelihoods uh, all the way through to the modern day with the most recent technological advance being AI and the same concern that it's going to take away jobs. But what we've seen over and over and over again in the course of human civilization and the breakthrough technologies that, that we've developed is that we actually improve the economy, we actually expand employment, we actually increase quality of life by bringing these technological innovations to bear. A great example of this is rewinding the clock back to 1979, and this is something I explored in my keynote which will be available on YouTube if people want to check it out and go a bit deeper on what I'll summarize in a few minutes. But the, the TLDR is that if you look back in 1979 in the, the advent of the spreadsheet, it replaced rooms full of people that were doing essentially the work individually of one cell in Excel and in aggregate the work of an entire spreadsheet. And then computers came along and VisiCalc, the very first spreadsheet came along and automated what this building full of accountants was doing on their electromechanical adding machines and made it essentially the work of pressing F9 in VisiCalc, right? And as an accountant, you would look at that innovation and think, oh my God, this is gonna completely eliminate the need for not only my individual job, but the entire profession. Is this just gonna nuke us from orbit? And what proved to be the case over the following couple of decades is that the spreadsheet did anything but. It actually helped lawyers, or I'm sorry, helped move accounts up the value chain. It helped them eliminate this kind of mundane drudgery work and help them expand their reach. The number of accounts today is double the number of accounts it was in the 1980s. And That's fascinating. they're getting paid more than they were in the past as well. So there's more lawyers, they're more gainfully employed and they're providing more value to their clients. And that's exactly this, it's an instance of what is more broadly called the lump of labor fallacy. And that lump of labor fallacy is basically the fallacy that if there's a fixed amount of work to be done in the economy, and if you bring in automation, that fixed amount of work will shrink and less work will be available for humans to do. What is actually the case is the opposite. When you bring in automation and these technologies, it actually, reduces the cost of goods and services, making them available to more people, making them more accessible, which then in turn brings more people into the industry that produces those goods and services, actually expanding the economy and expanding the total addressable market. And that I believe is exactly what's about to happen with legal. And by the way, 
what needs to happen in legal. One of the statements I made in my keynote is that I believe embracing AI is actually a moral imperative for lawyers. Because when we look at this yawning access to justice gap between legal demand and legal supply, and what we can do to bridge that gap, I believe our only hope of doing that is by embracing technology. Embracing technology like cloud-based technologies that we've had for 15 years now, but aggressively embracing the new technologies like AI that can help us, I believe, realize a step change, like an order of magnitude increase in our productivity. Yeah, I really like what you said there. Uh, we only got a couple of minutes. Uh, we're getting flagged. Uh, your, uh, your staff's <laughs> coming over to grab you, take you away. This is the hand-holding I was talking about. Yeah, absolutely. No, but yeah, absolutely needs to happen because uh, you got a huge day. But uh, I really like what you said right there uh, about creating the new market and, and having um, same products and services or different products and services available to more people. And I couldn't help but think of the assembly line for automobiles. Yeah. Like back in the day when that hit, similar things. Everybody thought that garage mechanic was going to be unemployed and the person that the people that used to build cars by hand, you know, weren't going to have their market. And what it effectively did is it, it, it ballooned a gigantic industry. That's right. And uh, now everybody, like at least more people could have cars. I mean, before that was really kind of a luxury of an elite income. But fast forward a few decades and now, you know, you've got middle class and lower middle class people and families being able to afford a car and cars didn't just get more accessible, they got better. They got better, they got cheaper. That's right. And you know, it's a story we've seen over and over. It is a great example, you know, moving past the mechanical loom, the, the invention of the assembly line. Again, if you were making these bespoke vehicles by hand that took a year to assemble one vehicle back in the day, yeah, your, your job and the way you were doing it might be at risk. But the automobile industry was not at risk. That was a key innovation to expand and amplify its impact and amplify the impact of individual workers. And although they're not assembly line workers, I believe there's the same kind of opportunity for lawyers to mechanize what used to be the most dreary, repetitive, non-inspiring parts of their job and to expand their reach and expand their scale in the same way that the assembly line expanded the scale of the auto industry. It's a great parallel. All right, we have one minute for this last one, but I, I definitely want to get this in there, squeeze it in there if we can. And so the opportunity to co-create uh, a new part of the industry. So you all have launched a new platform called Clio Duo. And now you've invited practitioners to be part of this process to create this new yes. ecosystem. So quickly give us the flyby on that. I know you got to go, but thank no, you this so much. Is, this is something I want to spend a few minutes on. Clio Duo is the most exciting innovation we've ever delivered to Clio. And it's an AI-powered assistant that will help you guide you through your day, help provide insights about your law practice, and help you automate and streamline, again, the repetitive and routine aspects of your job. So I am so excited to bring an early access version of Clio Duo to the market today. And we're demoing in our product lab, we're bringing customers onto early access. But crucially, we're also inviting our customers to co-create what this new AI assistant looks like. Because what we want to hear the feedback on is, what kinds of questions do you want to be asking Clio Duo? What kind of help do you need in not just navigating Clio as a product, but in bringing essentially a new partner on board to your law firm that can help you think about how you grow, how you thrive, and so on. So, it's early days for Clio Duo. We're going to see this expand and flourish into one of the most incredible add-ons and capabilities our customers have ever had with a product. 
and again, we're taking this very uh, unique and I think innovative approach of inviting our customers to co-create the future of Clio Duo with us, which by the way, is not all that radical. This is what we do every year at ClioCon. Let's get in a room together and innovate about what the future of legal looks like. Well, Jack, we're definitely out of time, but I want to thank you so much for joining us one more time. And, and if our listeners, they want to reach out, learn more, how can they find you? Reach out to me at jack at Clio.com. I'm on Twitter, I guess X now, at, That's right. at <laughs> Jack underscore Newton. I'm on LinkedIn as well. So feel free to track me down. And yeah, as always, I look forward to this annual conversation as well, Lawrence. I really enjoyed chatting with you and, and talking about some of the exciting stuff we've uh, announced today. Oh, much appreciated. And also, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard out there, please rate and review us in your favorite podcasting app. Until next time, I'm Lawrence Glenn, executive producer. You've been listening to On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Uh-huh.